The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. questions you always had, the answers you were never given, the place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Welcome to Veritas. I'm Mel Fabregas, and I'm so glad you're joining us tonight for our season premiere, season seven. And I'm delighted, really delighted to once again have my good friend Cliff High. But this time, finally, after so many years of hiding behind the computer screen, he is with us. And you'll be able to see him right now. So, without further ado, I'd like to welcome my friend Cliff High. Cliff, welcome to Veritas. Thank you very much, Mel. And congratulations on seven years. Oh, thank you very much. And it's such a pleasure. Last year we had you on the season premiere, and now we're doing it again You've always been with us from day one. And first question I have for you, why are you uncovering your face now? It no longer matters. The issue that I had was uh, similar to like um, uh, the comic book part of superheroes, <laughs> where they're always you know, trying to hide their identity under glasses and a bad hat, uh, simply to protect the people around them. And uh, with the... Um, uh, situation with my family and stuff, and it's uh, somewhat reduced now, so uh, there's no longer any need for that paranoia. Plus, uh, Igor has gotten a little bit over his paranoia, moved around a bunch, and he thinks <laughs> that the people chasing him have lost sight of him. <laughs> so we're good. Well, I'm so glad. We have so much uh, room to cover today. I like to jump into things because we have two hours of great information. First of all, this weather. This weather, people called it global warming. Now they're calling it global change. Extreme summers, extreme winters. We're breaking records in the winter. What's going on? Uh, this is, uh, from my opinion, uh, a necessary side effect of the expansion of the planet. And it occurs because of several different uh, phenomena that all contribute. So you can imagine that the sun is out there pumping out electricity at uh, frequencies we're unaware of, and it goes zipping right through ourselves and through the planet, and it gets captured by the um, plasma ball that's in the middle of the Earth. It's not a uh, chunk of iron uh, molten or not spinning around. As it, this is occurring, we get a magnetic field effect as these particles come zipping through our magnetic uh, magnetosphere, and we also get this uh, charging effect at the upper levels of the atmosphere, the, both of which are not really discussed for the effects that they are. So the uh, jet stream and stuff is shifted around by the sudden electrification of these outer uh, layers of the ionosphere, uh, where we're basically dealing with hydrogen and other ions that have been captured by our electrical magnetism. As the magnetism warps and changes, it's no longer spherical. We get a push down here, a rise up there. Plus, we've got all these bastards out there with harp that are heating up the atmosphere on the underside, trying to punch it up this way and do other things to it. So, of course, we have instability. The instability uh, is within a self-correcting system. So whether they intended it to, to do this or not, 
it is my thought that the net effect will be that the system will correct itself by an ice age because that is a uh, level of uh, finality of correction that the Earth has always been able to achieve balance in the past. With previous civilizations that may have gotten out of hand, it would basically would every so often dump an ice age on you. And I think we're heading into that. In fact, we're into it already uh, at the very early stage. And maybe 2017, 2018, we'll have just a really horrific year. And I think the global consciousness then will be, yep, you know, uh, let's get get moving. Something seriously is altered. Is this something that we can predict? I mean, we, we can see ice core samples and look in the to the past. Can we actually predict this? Or is this something that we have created because of our human problems? Uh, boy, that's a complicated answer. And yes and yes is the response. Yes, you can predict this because there are normal cycles, 100,000-year cycle for ice ages, or it's actually 102,000, I think, at its maximum. Uh, there's a 68,000-year cycle, 64-million-year cycle, etc. And all these cycles, we're in a conjunction where a number of them are coinciding at the same time. Uh, but also, this is a function of consciousness, not um, so, yes, humans are causing this, but not because we're driving our cars around. I actually don't think cars are a good thing because they're consuming our atmosphere at a horrific rate. Uh, just as an aside, every time you're sitting there idling for each minute, I believe it's uh, the equivalent of you and 820 horses sucking air and producing carbon dioxide. And the uh, sucking of the air is the nasty part because you're destroying oxygen that we might want to breathe in the future. But... Um, the, the issue is that consciousness is reacting to the um, outward spread of thought from within consciousness. We know from uh, uh, mundane science experiments uh, that were conducted ad hoc by people like um, Art Bell on uh, Coast to Coast, mm -hmm. that if you get enough people concentrating on something, you can achieve an effect. Now, you get a few million people concentrating and they can push a hurricane a few miles offshore, that sort of thing. Uh, also, if you get enough people agitated and irritated and uh, zapped by radiation and you've got mind control going on and you've got um, uh, the money going bad and pressure from all sides on them, you're going to get people themselves to be at a very conscious level, uh, jittery, anxious, and so on and so on. And this, uh, these waves of that kind of consciousness spread out within the realm of consciousness and we're getting that feedback. And so the, the system, as I say, is self-correcting. And it is no accident of the universe that you and I and everyone on the planet at the moment are the remnants uh, of the third civilization of humans and that the previous three civilizations were wiped out. Or they did not wipe themselves out in a um, uh, subconscious reaction because the subconscious doesn't exist as, as we've been told. But uh, they did participate by getting to a stage like us where we're just agitated beyond belief because of all the different kinds of pressures, and you cannot contain that. Just as humans are all psychic and we're antenna, uh, antennae for uh, the reception of psychic impression, uh, mental activity, that kind of thing, we are also emanators of it. As you know, you walk into a room sometime or you're sitting in a restaurant, and uh, for whatever reason, all the people in the restaurant turn their heads, and you have no clue what's going on. And it, and it can be the most unprepossessing uh, or uh, uh, 
presenting kind of a fellow. And yet there's something that's, you know, an animal magnetism about him and you cannot help yourself. And it is this wave that goes through the whole uh, consciousness of all of the people sitting there. And so you see this happening all the time. We just don't really give it the credence and the uh, import that we should. You know, I think of uh, we've been told history, 10,000 years. We really don't know that much of the his hyphen story from before that. And I have a feeling, Cliff, that we have eradicated ourselves or maybe the planet like a dog, it simply shakes its fleas mm. off every so often because maybe we evolve technologically more than spiritually and it happens again and again and again. And I look at the Amazon. I look at the Amazon and the forest and they keep cutting trees all the time, you know, mostly our lungs. And then we have the oceans. We also breathe from that. And I have a feeling that this is unsustainable. If the planet continues to grow people-wise and we continue using the resources at the pace that we are, how can we sustain living in the next 100 years? Actually, I don't find that to be uh, the problem. <laughs> Truly, I don't. Uh, humans are the most creative things around. The, um, the problem with humans and our the appearance of unsustainability, first off, uh, there is sustainability. Even if we thought of ourselves as the fleas on the dog, bear in mind, the dog can't shed all the fleas, mm -hmm. all right? At some point, you always end up with like that 10% residual from which the next population grows. Right. And so we can be tenacious that way. But even if we don't think of ourselves as, you know, polluting insects or uh, vermin, we can think of ourselves as being extremely creative here because previous civilizations have been able to achieve a great deal of um, uh, global peace and longevity. Our issue is that at the moment we're reaching this uh, crescendo, a threshold, and we've been oppressed in a way previous civilizations presumably were not. So it is my contention that if we didn't have the powers that be sitting on our necks all the time, didn't have the royals in existence, didn't have the churches in existence sucking all the, the creativity and life out of us, that that creative explosion that uh, that should have accompanied population growth would have occurred and we would have solutions for all of the problems we face en masse. The solutions would be competing with each other for which was best for that particular kind of a problem. Truly, none of the problems we have are, are insurmountable. There's just a lot of them. Why are there a lot of them? Because we haven't been allowed to address them. In this country, look what happens when there's a problem called Katrina. And you get a major U.S. population center that has been destroyed. And thousands of people show up with small boats to go help rescue. What happens? Government comes and sits on their neck. Rather than saying, you know, you guys are mature adults. Don't come screaming to us if you get into problems, but have at it. You know, that kind of thing. So, yeah, there's chaos and there's no control, and that's what freaks governments out. And we're at that point now where the it is the control of the system, the stymied um, nature, the constipated nature of our uh, financial uh, system that dominates everything else that causes these issues. Previous cultures were not dominated by finance the way we are. If you think about uh, things like uh, Genghis Khan, could he have accomplished what he wanted if he'd had to get debt to finance the conquering of the planet? I don't think so. You know, he just went on out and they did it, and the wealth was an after effect of that. And that's the way wealth is as opposed to debt. At the moment, we're all bound up in this debt-based system, and until it cracks and goes away, um, we have these there's a very small number of individuals sitting on our necks at critical places, uh, pinching off the life, if not sucking it out of you. And so when that goes, there's, uh, I'm been forecasting for years that because of the data sets that a renaissance is coming of an unparalleled um, 
un, un, we can't even conceive of what's going to happen here because of the uh, magnification that's going to occur because of network effect. In previous Renaissance, we had only the crudest form of network effect. So take a Renaissance that occurred in either China near at the same time or Europe. In both cases, we had uh, uh, geniuses popping up with technical solutions, the spread of new ideas, but it was a really slow spread. There was no real um, juxtaposition and, and uh, magnifying of what was going on. It took all these geniuses uh, tremendous amounts of, of their energy and time just to get together to get the new ideas to spread among themselves. Here we're in a situation where we have the Internet and the potential for network effect magnifies everything. So this is why I knew Bitcoin was going to be a success when it was in the 40 and 50 cents. It was because it had achieved a significant network effect where people were passionate and they were going to do it regardless of, of the outcome, regardless of the potential for failure. These individuals were so committed that they were going to go it, do it and they magnified each other. So I'm not worried about our problems with the atmosphere, with the planet, with pollution, with radiation. Any of this is, is uh, we can overcome all of these if we just get this debt-based monster off our back. Well, I always say, the, to me, some of the four pillars of our problems are fiat money, oil, uh, meaning that we, we don't have the ability to at least – we have so many, many brains out there creating new ways of creating renewable energy – you know, uh, over unity and so on. But somebody comes, either they're, they're subverted or destroyed. We have uh, alternative cures, and I discuss them all the time right now. They're not allowed to go out. And if they do, the person who came up with it goes to trial because we're not allowed to talk about cures here. And, uh, you know, those are some of the four pillars. What do you think? And wars, by the way. I, yeah, I agree. But you'll notice just the other day that uh, the tide has turned because we're getting more and more articles uh, both scholarly and from within the mainstream, that war is not the panacea for economy. Duh. <laughs> war is not good for the planet. <laughs> and it's like, oh, now that mainstream is starting to say it, there's an agenda there. So they're going to back off the war agenda on their own, I think. However, the technological explosion that we have um, uh, buried within uh, all of these creative people and the maker community who are currently suppressed by uh, lack of funding, active uh, uh, press against them, the tinge of the uh, conspiracy uh, uh, theorist kind of thing. All of those individuals will just flourish like you wouldn't believe, uh, again, once once this system starts breaking down. And we're in that breakdown phase now. So, for instance, um, uh, there's a guy on YouTube who's come up with this way of using the uh, neodymium magnets out of um, – hard drives with a couple of coils and you can make a light bulb. Well, it's like, oh, well, this is great. Uh, handmade coils. He did all of this work and it's perpetual. It just sits there and, and glows and glows and glows. And, you know, it is not of, it was more of a trinket for him or a toy, a demonstration kind of a piece in his idea about over unity free energy. But it's a perfect device for me. Why? Because I'm going to be mooring a sailboat. And by law, you've got to have a mooring light up there. And this way, I don't have to screw out batteries or any of that. I'll just make it into a nice little casing, build one myself. And, and I have free energy uh, being used on my boat to power necessary uh, vital safety gear. What and about so those, other applications that you can actually maxi maximize and magnify that effect into maybe an engine and maybe a power supply? Well, exactly so. And see, here's the first thing I, I that came across my mind when I saw that was, hmm, I wonder what happened if you would try and do this in series and what would happen if you tried to uh, do it with a uh, cross-current magnification? <laughs> and it was like, well, I haven't even gotten to there yet. But there, see, the, so this stuff's happening all over. Uh, so, for instance, we have a network effect that I've participated in. 
one of the things I did was I uh, started investigating the nature of water. Water is really cool. It should not exist as a molecule at all. In fact, it does not exist. You can't ever find a water molecule, although we drink it all the time. If you were to sit down with a magnifying glass and try and zero in on a, on a wallet water molecule, you get to the point where all of a sudden the water disappears the way a forest would disappear and you're looking at a tree, only instead of looking at a water molecule, you're looking at oxygen and hydrogen and a, and a lattice structure between them that's very loose and very weak uh, in some regards. And so water sh does not really exist as we think of it. And that being the case... And the actual fluid nature of water is not within these molecules, but is within this energetic lattice that keeps them all bumpily and, and, and uh, bubbly together and connected. So water does not exist as the individual atoms that we've been told with this hard bond carrying them all around. Rather, what water is, is all of these uh, energetic particles pretending to be atoms sitting around exchanging energy with each other. So water is an energetic matrix. That being the case, it dawned on me at that point when I finally got into that understanding that, well, all of those people that are out there thinking that they can do things to water magnetically or with structure or with temperature, H302? et cetera. I'm sorry? H3O2? Um, no, because we, we're not getting quite there. But but what's going on is a restructuring of water itself. Restructuring, yeah. Okay, and so uh, it's still the it's still the technically it's still H two O. You're not getting into you know any of the peroxides or any of that kind of thing. You still have just water, but what you do is you you don't concentrate on the molecules. You care about the lattice of energy that's interconnecting them, and so you can change that lattice to be beneficial to you, beneficial to some project, and so on. So I started looking into the various different ways of doing this. Came across the work of a couple of uh, geniuses that uh, had worked. Um, in the 1920s and 1930s and 40s, uh, one of whom was Victor Schauberger, right. who uh, uh, helped the uh, develop the engine for the um, uh, Nazi bell. Yeah. And his early work was all about structure of water. And so I started looking at his methods. In any event, long story, I built a device <laughs> sitting on the other side of my computer here. This device is uh, simple, crude, and so on, but it really works. It's quite effective. Very shocking because you put water through it and water expands. Literally, you pour a cup through, you get a cup uh, plus uh, about 4.5%. Uh, so it expands just in the process of going through. You can put it through a couple of times and get it to expand almost 9%, but it won't go any higher than that. Interesting. But also the water, it, it when taken down to 39 degrees, just floods your body and every cell in your body says, yay, give me more. Just an incredible experience. And so this little device is made out of a piece of PVC pipe with some glass marbles stuck in it in a particular way that I devised. And a couple of fittings on the end so I can get water through it from a hose connection. And this fellow I happen to know who is a genius with um, uh, devices for the entertainment industry and works out of uh, Las Vegas, your, your neck of the woods. Steven Settlemeyer? Uh, no, 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 no. Okay. Uh, uh, Jerry. I won't go into his last name because he's uh, – but he's, uh, he's uh, uh, an interstellar kind of a guy. Okay. okay? Uh, hint there. Anyway, though, uh, uh, Jerry, he's mucking about with uh, 3D printers. And so what's he decide to do but, but set up a program to do 3D printing of these devices so you don't have to have the rather crude method of putting all the glass marbles together and he's using. So we've had to had this network effect of the two of us and others uh, getting together to work about the issues of, you know, the quality of the plastics or other materials involved, the cost and so on. And so we get that magnification effect. I would never would have been able to, with the limited time I've got, pursue a 3D printing solution. Yet here he is doing that. And his success may lead to an open source um, uh, 
propagation of this 3D uh, printing solution. And then there will be water modification people out there all over. And then somebody will take one of these devices and say, well, hey, we know that it makes it really good this way. What if we add that to it? And there off you go with that network effect. And so it'll, that'll come cycling back to me. And at some point, well, in fact, Jerry's already mailing me one of the devices he's he's printed out. So I've already gained from that network effect. And all I did was sit there and propagate out the information. Interesting that uh, last year I interviewed another Jerry, Dr. Jerry Pollack from the University of Washington. Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe... You want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it, because you don't want to believe. You want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.